Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it contains so many promises. Lord, help us as we look into these promises this morning in this first Sunday of Advent. We ask this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So this fall, several of us have been working our way through the story. It's an account of the Bible that reads like a novel, and it helps us to put events and times and people and all the things in chronological order in our mind, which I think is very helpful. Um, and it helps us, as the name implies, read it as one long, continuous story. Thus the name, the story. Uh, that's the idea that I had for these three passages, two of which Pastor Howard read, one of which I will read, and we're going to put them together. At first, they don't seem like they hang together, but hang in there with me, and I think you'll see that they do. So just to sort of summarize the two passages Pastor Howard read, the first one, in Genesis, God calls Abraham and promises him now listen to some of these commonalities, descendants, to make his name great and to be a blessing to all the people on earth. And he's going to give Abraham and his descendants a land, a place to dwell. And Abraham, as it says, marches off the map with no forwarding address, and he pitches his tent to meet with and worship God. Now, as a man in his late 70s who has no children, these promises probably seemed a little improbable or hard to believe. And yet, we read in Scripture, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Similar elements in the second passage. The account in 2 Samuel where King David wants to build a house a temple for God in Jerusalem. Now this is pretty natural and a pretty um, pure-hearted desire that David has. After being on the run himself, David knows the importance of a permanent place to dwell. And he had heard about, of course, the years that the nation of Israel was in the desert wandering around and they set up God's tabernacle in a tent, the place to go meet with God in a tent, and they picked it up and they moved it everywhere they went, and God went with them. So now that they're settled and they um, have defeated their enemies and they've occupied that land that God had promised to Abraham all those years ago, it's pretty natural that David would say, okay, we're gonna be here for a while, Let's build God a permanent house. But God says no. It's not, however, a shutting down of David's honorable desire to build a place for him. God, in fact, turns the tables and expands the blessing by promising David that his descendants would they build a place for God to dwell, and that the house would contain an everlasting throne and be a place for the people of Israel 
to meet with God and to dwell securely and to have peace from their enemies. The house, and indeed David's name, would be great, and his throne, through his descendants, would last forever. So if somebody's going to say no to the desire, and then offers to make your name great and give you an everlasting throne, that's a pretty big blessing. So God called David a man after his own heart. So those are the two kind of prelude passages to the passage we're going to look at today from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So again, not immediately obvious how the Abraham promises and the David promises and then this visitation of this young girl, Mary, hang together. Let's look at it. In these three passages, we see God make promises to Abraham, to David, and to Mary. The three common blessings are to make them a blessing to all peoples, that their name, or they're going to be significant, and thirdly, a place to dwell. And they are all fulfilled. And here's the amazing part. In their fulfillment in the person of Jesus, they're also made bigger and grander and more magnificent than the original hearers, Abraham, David, and Mary, could even understand. It's amazing to me that God can both fulfill and expand promises at the same time. So let's take a look at each one of these. Promise number one, blessing. 
we have found favor with God. Abraham was chosen by God, called out from all the people of the earth. God directed him into the wilderness and made him these huge promises. And then Abraham had to wait and trust that God would deliver on those promises. David was also chosen by God and anointed him as the king. Samuel records that David took his spirit from Saul and made it rest on David. God gave David victories and protection from his enemies and also promised David that his throne, his house, his name would endure forever. The people of God would know peace and have a place to dwell securely. And David would, like Abraham before him, have to wait and trust that God would deliver on those promises. Mary also found favor with God. That's the first thing that the angel says to Mary. Mary, you are the favored one. God chose her of all the people to carry the promises of God in the form of a baby. She too had to take a journey through the wilderness to Bethlehem, trusting in God's protection and promises. She too, like Abraham and David before her, believed God and had faith. She had hope. She found favor with God. And God blessed all three by calling them to play these special roles in his story. And in doing so, he made each of them a blessing to us. So that's the first promise, blessing, finding favor with God. Promise number two, name or significance or legacy. God promised Abraham that all the peoples of the earth would be blessed through him. Now, Abraham was in his late 70s, and he didn't know how or when this would happen. We know eventually that his sons Isaac and Ishmael become the heads of the Israelite and the Arab peoples. And they multiply down through the generations until God called not just Abraham, one man, out, but the whole nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt into the wilderness. And God was with them and led them and did miraculous signs and wonders and gave them kings. That those kings, like King David, would eventually point the way to the ultimate eternal king in Jesus. God promised David that his name would be remembered forever, that his name, his legacy, his significance would endure, that his descendants would build a dwelling place for God. Not just a temple of cedar and bricks and stones that David envisioned, but an eternal kingdom, or a dwelling where God and humanity would come and meet and dwell together. Jesus was known as both the Son of God and the Son of David, the branch of Jesse, David's father. David's legacy indeed lives on through Jesus, 
and is made greater in the process. God didn't promise Mary specifically that her name would be great. However, he did promise that her son would be great. He promised that all the promises made to Abraham and David and the nation of Israel throughout hundreds of years would come true in the son that God himself would conceive in her. So not her name specifically, but the great significance of her role and legacy is undeniable. So promise number three, a place. God gives us a place to dwell with him securely. Abraham lived in a tent. David often lived in a tent or in caves on the run from King Saul and then later in a palace. David wanted to build a permanent house for God to dwell. God essentially said no, but think bigger. I will build you a house and an everlasting house with an everlasting throne in a kingdom that will never end. And to Mary, he said, I will make my dwelling in you. Mary herself would act as the tent, the dwelling place of God during her pregnancy. The promise of security hits home for us this year in 2020. You've got me thinking about all the ways in which we often feel insecure, how our fear often cripples us, and how every single person deals with levels of insecurity at one time or another. A little while ago, the Huffington Post ran an article about fear. It featured a series of comics depicting common fears that children have alongside similar fears held by adults. Titled Childhood Fears versus Adult Fears, the cartoons illustrate the following pairs. Childhood fear of doctors. Adult fear, doctors' bills. Childhood fear, bad dreams. Adult fear, unfulfilled dreams. Childhood fear, strangers. Adult fear, crippling social anxiety. What strangers think about me. But my favorite was childhood fear, clowns. Adult fear, clowns. We really do need to get that laugh track. We do, yeah. yeah. All right. The article notes that though the fears of children are often discounted as irrational or silly by us older and wiser adults, they're not actually far off from our own fears. They're proof that no matter how old we get, we're never alone in our fears. In the end, however, it would seem that there is a line of logic that explains why most common fears among adults are often similar to those of children. We fear the unknown. There will always be uncertainty about jobs and relationships and finances and health and any number of concerns. And we risk letting those fears overwhelm us. 
In a world as chaotic as this one, you definitely can replace uncertainty with certainty. You can, however, fight against it with hope. Hope is standing on the promises of God. So, like 2020, when things feel uncertain, listen to the promises of God at Christmas. You have found favor with God, and his kingdom will never end, and no word of God will ever fail. Notice the reason why we will be secure in the angel's words to Mary. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. His reputation and influence will ever expand. In the final analysis, all the peoples of the earth will recognize him for who he really is. His detractors will be no more. See, from the beginning of the story, we see a glimpse of the end. And the ending is dwelling secure. What a promise. No fear of our ultimate demise, or that we didn't matter. We are significant. This is a promise that has both immediate and eternal application for us. Even though the difficulties of life right now can be hard and painful and scary, if you are found in Christ, then you don't put your trust in circumstances. You put your hope and trust and faith in a person. If you're found in Christ, then you will never be undone. He will keep you, and you will be secure. For the insecure, Jesus provides security. For the warring, he provides peace. And for the wandering in the desert, he provides a permanent place to dwell. God meets all of our needs in expanding ways through Jesus. So this is the first Sunday in Advent, known as Prophets Sunday. Prophets remind us of God's promises. God keeps and fulfills and expands his promises. And he does it in a way that makes them more of a blessing than the original people understood. The promises are expanded, enlarged, and are eternal in significance. So I would argue that prophets provide hope. And in this case, the letters of the word hope stand for what we are supposed to do in response to the three parts of this story, God's story. H, hope. O, out. Hold out for P, promises, E, eternal. Hold out for promises, eternal, hope. And so we're to be like Abraham, to have faith enough to trust God. 
We're to be like David and hope for God's great name and for his kingdom to be established forever as a place for us to dwell with God in peace and security. And finally, we are like Mary, able to answer, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you say. The story continues, and the blessings are getting greater as we go. And we know how the story ends. Amen.